Today on CityCast Denver. This year, 2021, marks an important anniversary that's not gotten enough attention. It's been 500 years since the fall of Tenochtitlan and the Spanish conquest of Mesoamerica. That means 500 years of people grappling with racialized identities. Well, we're talking about um, identities that were essentially created um, during those 500 years and uh, the resistance and the resilience of essentially um, trying to eradicate some of those stories and those people. My guest today took on the massive task of capturing all of that in a single exhibition of fine art. It opens this Friday. Today is Thursday, October 14th, 2021. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Lucha Martinez de Luna, welcome back to CityCast Denver. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I last spoke with Lucha Martinez de Luna about her Chicano murals project in the spring, when the city was abuzz with talk about ways to better recognize and support our Chicano history and culture. In addition to her murals project, she's also an archaeologist and more recently a curator of fine art. She and the murals project team have put together a new exhibit called Smoking Mirrors that opens this Friday at Museo de las Americas. It features mostly brand new work exploring 500 years of identity, resistance, and resilience since the Spanish conquest of Mesoamerica. Can you talk about some of these identities that are explored by the artists or some of the figures or or moments in the last 500 years that are covered in this exhibition? Yeah, for example, um, Leticia Tanguma is painting, uh, uh, doing a painting of Gaspar Yanga. Gaspar Yanga was um, an African slave uh, that was brought into Veracruz, obviously very much against his will. And he was very, he was one instrumental in leading one of the very first revolts in the Americas uh in the early 1600s. And there's, of course, Popey, a sculpture by Virgil Ortiz, who he was the, the leader of the Puebloan revolt in New Mexico in uh, 1680, where the Puebloans successfully drove out the, the, the Spanish. Um, obviously, the Spaniards returned later. But talking about these important figures um, that we just don't hear about and celebrating them. And something else that's interesting to me about this exhibition is you're taking folks, artists, a lot of artists who are mirrorless, who do these outdoor, public, often large scale pieces into the museum setting. So what are folks going to see from mirrorless here in this sort of not different environment, but it's definitely going to I'm assuming it's going to be different than what we would normally see from a mirrorless. Yeah, definitely. But at the same time, too, a lot of them do easel painting. So it wasn't necessarily a challenge for them. It's just um, more than anything, it was trying to keep it, keep the painting somewhat smaller. And I think it's it's a more of an intimate look at their work. Um, and, you know, it is a challenge to put it in a, in, a, in a museum space. I wanted it to be a safe space, but also to explore kind of controversial issues and um, a lot of museums are not very receptive to that yet and that's why I I felt like Museo was uh, Museo de las Americas was a great partner because they they are actually um, were created for 
and work with the community. So it's it's a perf uh, perfect place to do this. And um, I, I hope that it's a place where people can feel like they can just sit down and really talk about um, these paintings and, and, and share the experience, not feel like they have to be rushed when they go in there um, and sit there for a while and, and, and have conversations. And sometimes these conversations are not easy, but it's important to have them. And bringing up uh, that idea that museums have maybe been resistant to um, these conversations and even this kind of artist. Um, what what has been the experience um, previously outside of something like Museo that's really welcoming to these more difficult conversations? What has been the typical sort of relationship with an, an art museum and someone who is doing mural work or someone who is doing more um, political and cultural storytelling that isn't always favorable to the institution itself? Well, I will say that um, just before I answer that, it, it's even been a challenge to um, to get grants for this this concept and this idea. We we are quite frankly struggling um, to to make it work because we just um, we applied to many grants and we didn't get any of them. Um, but it, it, that's probably a good uh, uh, segue into what comes next, which essentially. Um, yeah, if museums have innovative and dis different ideas, it is hard to get money to pay for them. And maybe that's one reason why they're hesitant to, to not have um, these type of exhibits or conversations, because um, obviously they need to pay their employees <laughs> and make it work. But um, it does set a precedence in terms of, well, um, who, who determines what, what goes into a museum and who doesn't. What what is that what is that unspoken thing that that's happening here that you're talking about sort of the what goes into a museum and what doesn't? Well, it's definitely I think a result of systemic racism. <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, not is deciding what stories will be told and who decides that, and it's been like that for 500 years or more, and and um, that's why this exhibit is different because it's challenging those narratives. Um, these are very distinct narratives. And, you know, we even in the second gallery, we talk about displacement and gentrification and specifically in Denver. So um, we're still struggling to find those spaces to have these conversations. And that's why the murals become so powerful, because, OK, if you're not going to have our work in a museum, then we'll take our work to the people and to the community. Yeah. And I'm thinking about your father, Emmanuel Martinez, who's included in this exhibition, but he's one of those figures. He's, you know, from history who is in present day still working in this capacity. But his, I, I, there was a quote um, from him in a 5280 piece that said, the first mural I did was on the outside of the housing projects. And when the director of the Denver Housing Authority heard about that, he came with an eviction notice. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and what was so powerful about that was the, the community rallied with him and they started a petition and they said, well, if you're going to evict this family, then you're going to evict all of us. And so they waited to destroy the mural until we moved out. But, you know, that's what it took. It took, um, you, you had to challenge the system. And, and, and it's always been kind of like that, challenging the status quo with, with these murals. But I will say this is not just a Chicano exhibit because we, 
we do recognize um, all cultures in this exhibit and we recognize not just Chicano artists and you know we're trying to break the mold and challenge the mold you know why just because you say Chicano doesn't mean it has to be just Chicano. Chicano is not actually um, an ethnic identity. It is a, uh, a, a word that describes um, social justice. And it was during a specific moment in time during the civil rights movement. But that doesn't necessarily mean that there's a Chicano mold that we all have to fill. Uh, that has always been a challenge for me growing up because uh, quite frankly, I've, I've oftentimes been bullied because I'm not Chicano enough. And um, what exactly does that mean? I don't know. But I, you know, that can apply to anybody, to anybody's identity. And so this exhibit is, is me reflecting on that as well. You know, why, why do we have to fit this mold? And who decides, once again, like the museums, who decides what the mold is? So Lucha, this exhibition is hugely ambitious. You're attempting to explore many, many different identities over a long period of time, like 500 years. What challenges did you deal with trying to balance all of that? So we've given the artists an opportunity to talk about their experiences and it's completely their interpretations. When, when I asked them to do specific works, I told them, you do it um, based on how you feel. Obviously, it needed to describe the narrative in that specific space in the museum. But the reality is, um, it was it was pretty unpredictable what was going to come. And I actually, I'm in LA right now, and I haven't seen all of the paintings. So it's going to be quite a surprise for me too. But I kind of, I wanted that element, you know, I didn't want to be the one in charge, but it does have to fit a narrative. So, you know, some, some artists were, um, were great and other artists were um, a little bit weary and other artists just flat out didn't like the story I was trying to tell. Interesting. Yeah. So, and that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. I think when it comes to our identities too, people can be very protective or Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just... I've heard this conversation come up quite a bit recently, especially when we talk about indigenous heritages and yeah, absolutely. And and everybody is, I think, very sensitive right now, which rightly so. We have so many issues going on, and 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 this does happen quite a bit. It certainly did happen in the civil rights movement, and and you, some people really are on board, and others just really don't want to have anything to do with it, and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Can you explain the title of the show itself? What does smoking mirrors mean? So this is kind of based on, you know, I, I'm an archaeologist and, you know, I focus on Mesoamerica. And for me, a smoking mirror is, is essentially an obsidian mirror, which is volcanic glass. And um, in Mesoamerica, obsidian mirrors functioned as, as portals into another realm, into often the underworld. But they also represented kind of an uh, an unknown um, image sometimes or what you were going to see on the other side. So there is an obsidian mirror. It's the largest obsidian mirror I've ever seen in the exhibit where the opportunity is to look at yourself before you go into the show and really think of um, the reflections that you're seeing in these paintings and how they represent yourself as well. 
So say someone is walking into this exhibition, they have no um, background on the Chicano Murals Project or even Museo. What do you hope that they take away from Smoking Mirrors? Well, the other part of the title is uh, Visual Histories of Identity, Resistance and Resilience. And that's a big thing, the resilience and resistance. You know, even though we've gone through some really awful um, events in history, and uh, attempts of erasure and cultural erasure, you know, there's thousands of people that have stood up and these these individuals that we recognize, I consider them representations of thousands of people who have resisted and proudly fought for their cultural um, heritage and their traditions, and they will continue to. Is there a piece in particular that you're excited for folks to see that you just like are blown away by or something that really surprised you? Yeah, I actually had um, Jody Herrera uh, do a portrait of my mom, who I consider uh, a symbol of um, resilience and resistance. She had a very, very hard and personal story that is, is really hard for me to kind of come to terms with. She was very active in the civil rights movement and because of that um, suffered greatly. And um, so it was kind of me having a little bit of um, kind of forcing myself to kind of confront some of these issues that I've, that I've kind of lived with my whole life. And to be honest, I haven't, my my dad went to Taos and picked it up um, two days ago. So I haven't seen it yet because I'm here in LA. So I am absolutely thrilled to see that. Um, that's why I mean, when there's, um, there's some very personal uh, commentaries in this exhibit for me. Lucha, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Bree. I'm really looking forward to this show. I think it's gonna be just incredible. Smoking Mirrors, Visual Histories of Identity, Resistance, and Resilience opens this Friday at Museo de las Americas. You can find a link to more information in our show notes. Opening night, Friday, this Friday, 6 to 9. And here's what else is happening in Denver today. Colorado is set to become the first state in the country to require certain health insurance providers cover gender-affirming treatments, which is huge. But only if you have a certain type of health insurance after the change goes into effect in 2023. The Colorado Sun reports that these changes only apply to coverage offered by small employers and people who buy insurance on the state exchange. Right now, that's only around 500,000 people in all of Colorado. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. Mom, if you're listening to this, like I know you listen every day, could you please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts? We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See ya. I don't want to be like, I mean, it's like a good, it's like, I don't want to undermine it. So, hey, that's a step in the right direction. I don't know.